Well, hey, let's start off with a little bit of trivia. I'm going to read you a movie quote, and you see if you can guess the actor and the movie. All right, here's the first one. I'm going to make, you an, make him an offer that he can't refuse. Right, Do you get it? That's The Godfather, and, uh, and that's played by Marlon Brando. Let me give you a little bit, something interesting about it, though, is that uh, the main character is not The Godfather. It's The Godfather's son, Michael Corleone, and he was played by Al Pacino. Did you know that Al Pacino was not the first choice for the movie? It was another actor. It was somebody by the name of Jack Nicholson. And Jack Nicholson turned down the role because he said this, and I quote, Italians should be played by Italians. I say that was a pretty big missed opportunity. How about this one? Uh, it's not wise to upset a Wookiee. All right, that's probably an easy one. That's Star Wars. And Han Solo says that, said that, who is played by Harrison Ford. But do you know that Harrison Ford wasn't the first choice either? It was Tom Selleck. I said that was probably another missed opportunity. Let me give you one more. Uh, the quote is, A wizard is never late, nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. Did you guess that one? That's Gandalf in Lord of the Rings. And Gandalf is played by Sir Ian McKellen. But does anybody know who is originally offered that role? Think Bond, James Bond. Right, that was Sean Connery. And get this, Sean Connery turned down the role because he said he didn't get the story. What's not to get about Lord of the Rings? And not only that, but he was offered 15% of the profits of all of the movies in the series, which was roughly about $400 million. I would say that was a missed opportunity. Well, today we're wrapping up our series called I Love My Neighborhood. And we've talked a lot about a tremendous opportunity that every single one of us has on a daily basis to love our neighbors well. If you remember the story, it goes something like this. That a man was on a very dangerous journey from Jerusalem to Jericho when all of a sudden he was jumped, he was robbed, he was stripped, he was beaten, and he was left for dead. Well, as chance would have it, a pastor and a worship leader or a priest and a Levite, they were on their way and they saw this man, they had their excuses, and they did nothing at all. But a despised Samaritan, he had compassion and he took action. He had compassion, and instead of making excuses or asking what would happen to himself, this man took action. What's interesting when you look at the story is that all three of these guys had the exact same opportunity. But two of the men, they did absolutely nothing. But one of these men, he was willing to do whatever it took to love this man back to health. Now, you read through the Good Samaritan, and many people are familiar with the story, but what's interesting about the story is that it's not meant to be like a feel-good or, you know, just a parable about how to be nice to other people. In fact, when you look at the context of the story, it's all, the story is all told in context to the question that was asked of Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And that's not a question about how do I get to heaven about when I die. What do I do to inherit eternal life was asking the question, how do I experience the life of the age to come right now? In other words, the story is about living life as God has designed it to be lived right now. And we could write this story off as just kind of a nice illustration if it wasn't for how Jesus ended the story. After telling the story, Jesus looks at the guy who had asked the question and Jesus says this to him. He says, now, after hearing all of this, this whole illustration, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? 
And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, yes, now you go and do the same. You know, when Jesus says, go and do the same, Jesus doesn't mean, you know, if you get the chance or, you know, just every once in a while, try to do something nice for another person. That's not what Jesus is saying. In fact, when Jesus says, go and do the same, the verb tense that Jesus uses implies that you would do this now and do it constantly as a lifestyle. The way that Jesus says this, like the, the man can't hear Jesus offer this challenge and say, man, that Jesus, man, he's such a good storyteller. Man, he just inspires me. Man, it, it's just, he's such an incredible communicator. Like You can't respond like that because this is a, it's a call and a challenge to immediate and ongoing action with your life. Jesus says, go and do likewise and keep on doing likewise as a lifestyle. And we're left, as we read through the story, kind of we're left hanging. Like We have no idea how this man responds to Jesus. We don't know if he takes him up on his challenge and he lives this way or if he arrives. So we, we don't know. But the power of the story is not in knowing how this man responds. The power is what we do with it. Author Don Everts, he says this. He says, I think there's something refreshing and honest and real about the words, go and do likewise. They're like a door flung open in the winter, ushering cold, brisk gospel air into the stuffy, warm house of cultural Christianity. These words, they wake me up. They point to the wonderful news that Jesus wants more from me than just right answers and elegant theology. He wants me to get caught up in God's work all around me. He wants me, wants me to be, in a word, missional. Now, what's missional mean? Missional is just simply, it's somebody that's sent by God. It's somebody that's sent. In fact, this idea in this theme of being sent is a, is a continual theme all throughout scriptures. You see that God sends his promises and he sends his messengers and he sends his word and he sends his son and he sends his spirit. And in John 20, 21, we see Jesus says this, as the father has sent me, now I'm sending you. And, and God sends us to bring his kingdom and into this broken and lost and world that's desperately in need of help. So when we look at Jesus' challenge, when he says, go and do the same and do likewise, when we say yes to that challenge, we're taking up this offer and this lifestyle of being missional. And when we gather for services, which we will at some point in the future, hopefully July 11th, but when we gather again in person for services, you, you know that we're not designed just to come together and then go our separate ways and kind of live our lives however we want, like we live one way on Sundays and then live however in these different spheres. When we gather, it's not just to gather and sing or, or to get inspiration for the week or to celebrate what God is doing in our lives, even though those are great things and we want to do those things. We don't just gather to gather for gathering's sake. We, we gather to scatter. We gather to go and do likewise like what Jesus is saying here. I mean, think about it like this. Let me give you an illustration. Think about an airport. Now, this is a, a picture of LAX. And, and why do people go to LAX? Because they can't get tickets out of Burbank. You know, but, but in all honesty, like why do people go to LAX? Well, they certainly don't go to LAX because they want to go and enjoy the LAX experience. I mean, really, no matter how nice an airport is, 
You don't go to an airport as a destination. It's a place that you go on your way to somewhere else. That's what the church is supposed to, that's the gathering is supposed to be like. In fact, Hugh Halter, who he, he spoke several weeks ago, author of many books, uh, church planter, coach, this is what he says. He says, we gather to find meaningful ways to provide corporate experiences that naturally propel people outward. See, we gather not just to gather. We gather so that we can scatter on the same missional page so that we can go and do likewise, so that we can go and, so we can go and live the life that Jesus modeled for us, that he, that he taught us to live. One of my favorite people is a man named Bob Goff. Maybe you've read one of Bob Goff's books. He's a New York Times selling, New York Times best-selling author. He's a pilot. He's an ambassador to Uganda. He's a humanitarian. He's a professor. He's a lawyer. He's all of the. Just a, this dude is somebody that's maximized his life. But one of the things, at least in my book, that really separates him from other people is that. He has a lifestyle, has oriented his whole life around helping other people. In fact, one of the cool things that he does is at the end of every single book that he writes, he puts his personal cell phone number. He says at this point, he, about a half a million people have his cell phone number. And he says on average, 100 people call him every single day. And the crazy thing is, is that he tries to take every single one of those calls. And he gets crazy calls. I mean, he gets calls from witch doctors. He, he said he got a call one day from a... Uh, from somebody, a young girl had backed into uh, somebody's truck and she didn't have any money to pay for it. So she wrote Bob Goff's cell phone number down and put that, that under the guy's windshield. And he said, Bob said that the next day, this angry owner called him up thinking that he was the person that crashed into him. And, and when Bob discovered the audacity of this young girl, he bought the, the guy a, a, a brand new bumper. And so he gets calls like that all the time. People will call him and they'll be broken down on the side of the road and they give Bob a call. And if he's in the area, he'll pick them up and, you know, all sorts of things. He'll, he'll help people and talk with people as they're on their deathbed and talk with people that are trying to plan epic kind of wedding engagements, all of these different things. But more amazing than the stories that, that Bob tells is the reason why. Bob said this, that, that he wants to be known as a guy that's always available to people. The person that's always available to help somebody else. You know, there, there are things, of course, that are out of our control. You can't control what kind of family you were born into. You can't control how tall or short or, you know, what color your natural, wink, uh, your natural hair is. Uh, but there are things that we can control. You can control how available you are to other people. You can control the type of person that you're going to be. Author Donald Miller, who he writes a lot, of, a lot about writing better stories with our lives. And he says that in a great story, if you think about almost any great story, there's always somebody that really wants something. But in order to get it, they've got to struggle. They've got to fight for it. They've got to, they've got to battle through obstacles in, in order to get it. And so we have to ask ourselves, you know, what, what do I really want and, and what are we working for and struggling for and would that make a good movie? And, and Donna Miller says this, and I quote him. He says, Bob may really want a Volvo, but who cares if Bob gets a Volvo or not? Nobody cries at the end of a movie because Bob got a Volvo. <laughs> he says this, 
He says, but we spend years actually living those kinds of stories where we contribute like everything about our lives is leading towards things that just don't make any difference. And, and we expect our lives to be meaningful. He says this, the truth is, is if what we choose to do with our lives won't make a story meaningful, it won't make a life meaningful either. When Jesus says, go and do likewise, I want you to understand this, that, that Jesus is, is calling us to live a different kind of story, to live a different kind of life. This is the kind of story and the kind of life that participates in, in God's dream for the world, that participates in the beauty that God wants to create, the justice, the love, the, the, the truth, the harmony, the goodness. We're participating in, in the advancement of God's kingdom, his dream for the world. I, I heard a story about the, the Benedictines. They're a group of monks that live a very certain way. And one of the jobs that the monks have, it's called the porter. And the porter, their, their sole job is to get up before everybody else. They would go down to the city gates and, and they would greet every traveler that passed their way with this. They would ask this question, what can I do to help you on your way? That was their sole job. What can I do to help you on your way? Think about this idea of neighboring, loving our neighbors, loving our neighborhood. And I think we need to ask the same question. Always looking for opportunities where we can love really well. And so as we wrap up this series, I just, I'm, I'm thinking, what, what can each of us do right now? What's something practical that every single one of us right now, regardless of our context, that we can do right now? And I would say this, just go ahead right where you're at. Look around. Maybe not physically right in your room, but just metaphorically. Look around your life, the places where you live and, and where you work and where you play and, and exercise. The chances are that you are surrounded by people and every person that you're surrounded by is somebody that God is calling you to love in a meaningful way. And my challenge is for every single one of us to look around and just ask this question. What can I do to help this person on their way? What can I do to help this person on their way? The story goes, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and he went away, leaving him half dead. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. You may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, and he's telling us too, to go and do likewise. May every single one of us be caught up in the mission that God has for us to go and do likewise.